Hello, and welcome. This is Brad. And this is Scott. And this is Not About Us. Welcome, everybody. I am so glad you're here for this, our first conversation podcast. We're basically just going to talk. We've got some things that we want to talk about, um, but you're going to get some very candid ideas and some candid insight from us today. Uh, Scott, before we get started, though, as always, it's truly not about us. We do want to invite in who it really is about. Absolutely. Scott, would you go ahead and give us a prayer? You bet. Well, thank you, Yahweh. We just praise you and magnify you always. We just lift you up, and and we thank you for being here. We thank you for being a part of this, uh, the part, the only part. God, as you're in this conversation, we just ask you to just speak to our hearts and, and just let it flow as you would. In fact, prayer itself is just a conversation. So really, the prayer is not going to end with us saying amen. The conversation goes on. So God, just converse with us as we converse with you. And and thank you for your presence today in this conversation. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. So this is the first... We what well, this is Brad and I wanted to do some obviously some set pieces. Uh, he's talking about Revelation. I'm talking about Genesis. Uh, we have a Bible study section for just random other things that come up. But we wanted a piece where we just kind of talk about what's on our hearts at that time. So and that's what this is all about. It's it's gonna flow randomly as we just come up with things. Hope you enjoy it. Hope it edifies and ministers to you. Brad, what do you think about what's going on? Well, just let me say I, I'm excited. Um, back when we used to meet weekly and do our, our Sabbath, I used to get very, very, very excited for the next one. I would go all week long and think about how God had moved in my life, and I just couldn't wait to share it with you. And, that, you know, when we had those conversations, you know, it was always exciting, the new things that would come to us and getting the other person's opinion or take on it. So, yeah, no, I'm very excited for this. Cool. All right. So, hey, something that came to my mind that I wanted to share about uh, with everyone was a story that happened to me one time uh, about, now Brad knows this, but I also have written several plays that I have performed. And one of those plays was entitled The Executioner. And it's just uh, a story about someone who, uh, he's, he's saved, but he's not really caring. He's not chasing. And God essentially comes and says, what's wrong? There's so much more to this. And to show him, make this more clear, he takes him back in time, puts him in the place of the person who actually nailed Jesus to the cross. So I had performed this several times. Now I'm at a different church um, leading a youth group. The youth group wanted to get involved. So we got some kids to put this together. And our very first performance we go out to a church, and I'm the director. I'm also one of the characters in it, and I'm watching as a director does. And I'm sitting in the pews before my time to go up, 
and I'm analyzing and I'm critiquing and I'm writing my notes. Oh, they did this wrong. Oh, make sure you tell him this and all that kind of thing that a director does. And of course, I'm my own worst critic. So I'm sitting there going, oh, that was wrong. This was wrong. All I can think of the whole time was, boy, we're not very good. And I get up for the very last part and I play a centurion who's kind of this person's captain or leader and I go up and I do my whole thing and I'm supposed to go off stage into the back while the main character finishes his little wrap up and I go into the back and one of the other characters who's already been on stage is back there waiting you know behind stage and he goes so what are we supposed to do at the end of this (laughs) I'm going oh no oh no I didn't tell anybody nobody we don't have an ending to this we don't have a bow or anything. It's just, I had no idea. And the play's about to wrap up because there's only a f- few seconds left after I go off stage where it finishes up. And I just tell the other person, just, just follow me. And I can hear it wraps up. And there's a, there's a pause as it ends. And I give it a beat. And then I open the door, I walk out, everyone else who's on stage is leaving, the person comes behind me, and I just kind of look at the audience and kind of shrug and go, that's it. That was, (laughs) and I'm thinking, oh, that's terrible. Oh my goodness, this is so horrible. And I just kind of walk off stage and I go back with the rest of the group and I'm sitting down. Now, the pastor of this particular church was someone, uh, it wasn't their regular pastor. They, they, were, they were in between pastors. They were looking for someone else. So this was someone who had, who had driven like an hour and a half. She had retired. Uh, she was an, a former pastor who was helping them out. And she had driven down to help them while they were looking for someone. And she goes up to the front, and I'll never forget this. She goes up to the front, and there's just this long pause. Now, it went for like, a good 60 seconds or more. I mean, it was just, it just hung out there. And after experiencing all this, all I can think of is, oh no, she's looking for something good to say. She's trying to find something. And when she starts to speak, her voice just cracks. And, and I realized she can't talk. She's, she's not, this pause isn't because she's looking for something good to say. This pause is because it hit her so powerfully. She can't speak. And when she was finally able to speak, she just said, I hope that all of you understand what a tremendous blessing you have received today. And when she wrapped it up, people were just openly sobbing, running to us to embrace us. And the reason I share that story is because I feel that way about this podcast. And Brad and I have both talked uh, behind the scenes when the mics are off about, oh, how terrible my voice sounds and things like <laughs> things of that nature. And oh my goodness, how many times do I go, um, well, I, um, and then I, um, no, no, it's not, I know I'm exaggerating, but you know, to us, that's the way it sounds. And so at that moment, it just hit me. I said, God, this is yours. God, this is yours. Thank you for this. Thank you for this humbling moment. And what I want to share with you guys is the fact that we are never called because we are worthy. We are called because he is. 
So I hope that story encourages you. Get out there and do it. Whatever it is, just do it. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be obedient. The results are all his. Well, Scripture is testament that God chooses the lowly, the meek, people who have no confidence in themselves. Yes. I mean, and yeah, that's that's us. And this podcast is, um, you know, we're putting our hearts out there. So, yeah, it's outside our comfort zones. That's for sure. Definitely. And, and yeah, we can, after it's all said and done, and we can nitpick. And uh, in my study, I realized I said, you know a lot. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, you know. And I'm going to not worry about that so much because that's not that's not the point. Scott and I, we're human beings. We're, we're not perfect. But that's we, not to say we're not trying to be as professional as we can. Right. But, but we recognize we're limited, screwed up people just like you guys are. Yeah. Which hopefully means that uh, uh, when we are introducing you to the perfect God, yes, uh, you will see just how perfect he really is. Because um, that is the whole point. We really do not want this to be about us at all. Yeah, and that's the desire with all of this. When, you, when something touches you, when you go, wow, that really grabbed me, you know it didn't come from us. So we embrace our frailty. We embrace uh, our... Our idiocy, I suppose, is a good word for it. Because we are. I, I don't mean that as derogatory. I mean that compared to him, compared to God, we're all morons. Uh, every one of us. Uh, Einstein was a moron. Compared to God, we're all idiots. And we have to remember that. We're all children to him. Yeah, I totally agree. So anything. I, I've got more stuff I want to throw at you. Uh, you got anything you want to throw out right now? I got some little tidbits, pieces. Well, maybe stuff. maybe I'll just give out this little bit of behind the scenes too. Um, when Scott and I first started Sabbathing, um, we actually started by rehearsing one of his plays. Oh yeah. You know, so yeah. I uh, I have been able to read some of his plays and, and actually have rehearsed. Uh, I remember thinking, man, Scott, you gave me such an honor. And one of, in one of the, the plays that we were rehearsing I got to be the voice of God, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. wow, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. But then once I really started, uh, you know, rehearsing and practicing, I realized, man, that's an awesome responsibility too, you know? So, but yeah, that was kind of our early days. We were just, uh, rehearsing the play and, and the play was called the conversation and, and, you know, it'll always have a special place in my heart. We never actually performed it. Um, we just rehearsed it quite a bit, but it'll have a special place in my heart because I was kind of the person um, that was the star um, in the play. He, you know, he's basically going through multiple stages of his relationship with God. You know, at, at points he starts out on fire, and you know he's thrilled and he's excited. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then he comes to a point where he's a little more lax and, and okay, God, um, you know, I got a lot of stuff I need to do. Uh, can we get this over with? And then he has a real tragedy and, you know, he's probably the most humbled he ever has been in his life. And, uh, you know, I see myself, um, in all of those situations in my relationship with God. All right. Hey, um, another thing really briefly I want to throw out there is just a shout out, uh, to someone, uh, someone I've I've never met, but uh, that I'm I'm connected to and and I appreciate knowing him online. His name is Edgar Campusano. 
and he is the creator of a comic called Brothers in Space that he he wrapped me up in, and, and I'll never forgive him for it. No, just kidding. Uh, but no, it's a cool story. You can check it out online if you look up just Brothers in Space. Uh, he's got a Facebook page you can go to. Uh, you can also check it out on Amazon.com and other places. But just a, a shout out to you, Edgar. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for helping me out. Uh, and uh, I do appreciate you uh, emailing me and uh, being so supportive. Thanks. Yeah, Edgar, I heard some of the nice comments that you made about this podcast and about me, and and yeah, I would like to say thank you too. It's very, very, very much appreciated. All right, so something else uh, I'll jump onto here is I mentioned it in my Genesis podcast, the, the book, The Creator and the Cosmos by Dr. Hugh Ross, and... I want to talk a little bit more about that. I didn't want to get into it in in the Genesis podcast because I was getting off topic. I wanted to stay in Genesis uh, on that one. But I want to talk a little bit about this book because it's really cool. Uh, Now, Brad, I don't know. You've never read this, have you? I've read only parts of it because um, some of it was kind of scientific and over my head. but, but, But yes, I have read parts of it, but no, not cover to cover. But it is an amazing book for those of you who care about uh, this type of thing, are interested in, in this uh, this type of category. Uh, boy, I'm not sp- English gone for me. <laughs> I, anyway, but you'll have to forgive me. My copy's gone because uh, I'm, uh, I, I gave it away to someone and never got it back. So some of this, I might be wrong on a few points. I'm going by memory. But briefly, in the first chapter of that book, he explains how uh, he determined from his scientific study of the universe that there was a God. And he just talks about he never never picked up a Bible, never picked up any holy book, never went to church, never cared about that kind of thing. He was just studying the stars. He's an astrophysicist. And he just determined from his scientific analysis of the universe— that there was a God. There had to be. There was no other explanation. He didn't know who or what God was. He just simply determined from the evidence of personally studying the universe that it was impossible for the universe to have just come into existence. It was too well defined. And so he figured if there was a God, maybe God had deigned to reveal himself to mankind. And so he started studying the holy books and first off, I was very impressed by his wisdom. He states he was not interested in anything he didn't understand because he said if there truly was a God that created everything, that God was so beyond him, there would be things he didn't get. And the, the wisdom of that impressed me incredibly because how many times do we just, I, I don't know about you, Brad, but I, I've heard people talk about it and go, this doesn't make any sense to me, therefore it's foolishness. Right, because there's this human arrogance that we we can't believe that we don't know everything. Yeah. Or we're not masters of a certain subject. Somebody goes to school for, you know, a decade, becomes a master of this subject. They're still limited by the fact that they're human. They're not necessarily going to know everything they can possibly know about the subject. Um, so there's a, there's a certain arrogance that goes, no, no, I've done my schooling. I know everything about it. But you just can't because at the end of the day, you're still human. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I I was impressed that he went into it that way, saying, if I don't get it, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to move on. But what he was concerned about 
He went into these books saying, I'm only going to determine what they say that I know of personally, that I can prove or disprove and see how well they stack up. And he says, he, he doesn't say in the book which two books he started with, but he says he went through two holy books in their entirety. And he said the worst thing about it was trying to get them to nail anything down. Uh, they were just, they were speaking in circular logic and he couldn't actually get them to say anything. But when they would nail something down, they were just full of holes and he couldn't, he couldn't find much truth in, in any of them or in, in any of the first two that he started with. He did the Bible third and he was going to do it like 11th. I, I forget where it was on his list, but he, he didn't consider it worthy of his study, figuring it was obviously so full of holes that it, it, it didn't merit study. But he thought, I do live in America. We call ourselves a Christian society. You know, the founding fathers believed in the Bible, all that kind of thing. He said, I might as well do it now. And like I said in Genesis, it floored him. He read Genesis 1, chapter 1, and got uh, a story of the creation of the universe exactly in the order that he knew it was, and it defined it so well, it stunned him. He was expecting to spend seven weeks on the book and spent nine months studying the Bible and had to come to the conclusion at the end of the Bible that it was right. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't deny it. It was scientifically perfect to him. So and I can't remember oh, the I can't remember the the name of the scientist or anything. I'm sorry, but no, no, I, absolutely. I remembered a uh, a story too about um, a gentleman who uh, was just studying the human eye, and he you told came, me about this. Yeah, yeah. He, he came to Christ just because the simple fact that he was overwhelmed by just studying the eye and all the um, little things that have to happen to make the eye function, and the fact that you know it all the optic nerves, you know, come together to form this perfection. He literally saw perfection in the eye and that got him chasing after a designer, found the Christian Bible, you know, and literally came to Christ because he saw perfection in the eye. And I think you can literally do that with anything. I mean, yeah. take a blade of grass and, and you can find perfection in it if if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, the Bible see, says that God is seen in his creation. He's, he's put his fingerprint on everything. I, I personally, I'm not opposed to science. I do not believe that science is contrary to God. I believe that's a myth that is perpetrated by people who are trying actively uh, to deny God. I do not have a problem with science. I have a problem with scientists with an agenda. I agree. Um, from my understanding, science, you know, originally was trying to understand God better. You know, you were you were looking at the world around you and you wanted to understand how it came into creation, and so that led you to God. Uh, but nowadays, I, I really do think there is a arrogance that uh, they they've kind of got themselves into a trap. You know, some apparently smart person. Uh, came up with the theory of evolution, and, you know, God contradicts that, 
And so there's this arrogance that, no, we can't be wrong, you know, so they have to find, you know, doctored information or things to try to prove it um, when there is actually no good evidence for it. Yeah. Um, And that's just one of the things. I mean, you know, that arrogance will just realized, you know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) there's that imperfect human again. Um, But yeah, no arrogance. It's something something that we just can't get past and it can be a, a stumbling block in our relationship with God. Yeah. And, um, to me, I consider myself a scientist in the sense that, you know, I don't have the lab code. I'm not in a lab mixing chemicals and stuff like that, but I approach everything as show me the evidence, show me the evidence to prove I'm wrong, and I'll come over to your side. Uh, To me, if I'm yelling that 2 plus 2 equals 19, and you say that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and you prove to me the math and show me where I'm wrong, I'm happy. You just solved a problem for me. Thank you so much for that. Uh, So I upset people. I upset just about everybody. But I... so upset right now. (laughs) I upset people because I don't like religion. I I am a Christian. I believe in Yahweh God Almighty, and I believe in Yeshua, his son. We call him Jesus because of science, because the evidence supports it, and more than that, because he's real and he has revealed himself to me in so many ways. I, because he has risen from the grave, because it's not just a story, because he does exist, he will make himself real to you should you seek him. And you know, that's one of the things, now I'm getting off on a tangent, but that's okay because this is the conversation piece and we can do that. <laughs> um, I was also studying about people who've converted to various religions for whatever reason, I was on this topic, I was checking these out, and one of the things I noticed is that everyone I was looking at that has converted from Christianity to Islam, they did so because they reasoned it out. They did so because, I mean, all of the testimonies were the same. Um, Well, you know what, I was looking at everything and I decided this is what fit me best. This is what I liked most. But everyone, Now, I'm sure there are other examples that don't fall in this category, but everything I was coming across, everyone is converted from Islam to Christianity, did so because they met God. I mean, you can go on, check it out yourself. Go on the web and just look it up. These people were having powerful connections with the real God. They were having visions. They were having dreams. They were meeting him. Uh the people who were walking away from Christianity just, they, they just decided it was a selfishness. They said, I just don't want this. I want, I want my own personal lusts to be satisfied. So I don't want to go here anymore. The people who were converting to Christianity were doing so oftentimes, not just in opposition to their families and their friends, but their lives were at stake. This is how powerful it was. They were coming to Christ when they were told, if you do this, we're going to kill you. And that's how important it was to them because they met the real God. The people who are converting from Christianity to, to Islam, 
there's no death threat there. Uh, at most, there's, yeah, I don't know if I like that. There's kind of a, you know, the eyes go squinty and it's like, oh, are you sure about this? There, there's no death threat, uh, at least not here in America. Maybe I, in other parts of the world, I don't know. I'd heard about uh, the people of Islam that were having those powerful encounters with God and it was changing their opinions. And that got me thinking, they were... They were chasing after God, the Islam relationship. Yes. They're, they're, they're a religion. They're trying to chase after God. And um, I think God sees that, so he introduced himself to them. And he, that was not the God they were expecting. You know, so, yeah. I mean, I see, a, I see a comparison here. Paul was chasing after God. It's the very thing I was just thinking of. You know, chasing after God, and, 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 and he thought he was doing everything correctly and right um, because that's the God he knew. So he had the most powerful encounter ever with Jesus. And he realized, oh, you are not the God I thought you were. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just, uh, that's just amazing yeah. to me. And that's it right there. I used to wonder why, why did Paul receive this vision when none of the other Pharisees did? And it, I realized because Paul, the Apostle Paul, was chasing exactly what Brad said. He was hungry for God. He was chasing God. The Bible says, if you seek, you will find. And he was seeking God. He was hungry for God. This wasn't just... A religion to him. He loved God and wanted God passionately. The Bible says he was more zealous than all of his peers when studying the Torah. Uh, as a child, uh, as a student, he hungered for God and God honored that. Even though he had the wrong idea of who God was, God honored that because his heart was honestly chasing God. And that's where all of these Muslim uh, people turning to Christ uh, that I see are doing. They're the ones who are so hungry for God. This one story in particular, I remember this person was saying uh, he was if he was reading the Quran the entire way through every 10 days. He said if he was required to say a particular prayer 10 times, he was saying it 20. If he was required to, to bow and do this whatever ritual uh, 20 times, he was doing it 40. He was chasing in fact he was chasing so much he was starting to see how his family and his friends and everyone were not chasing and he was getting very upset and after he came to christ and got a chance to talk with them later they admitted to him they were getting very afraid of him because they thought he was going to kill them they they thought he was so passionate for for allah and the quran he was going to kill them because they were not and and his story is an amazing one. I, I don't have his name on me because this is a conversation and I'm just things are coming to my head. Uh, sorry about that. But it was an awesome story. He was talking about how he was summoning jinn, where we get the word genie. And they're, they're demons, but he didn't know that at the time. He's summoning jinn and, and he had all these in spells and incantations and, and things to use and suddenly he felt overwhelmed. They were swarming him they were they were controlling him 
and he started to shout the the prayers the incantations that he was taught to chant to keep them in line nothing was working he started to call upon the name of Allah that wasn't working and a voice comes to him and says uh, call out to Jesus and he said in a moment he was so he felt like he was going under what he literally felt he said I knew I was going to die they were so crushing me and swarming me and he felt like he was a mile underneath the water and about to lose all hope and all oxygen and so he just did it because this voice comes out out of nowhere he just calls out to Jesus and they scatter and he's and he's free but he's not happy he's ticked because he's thinking why did that work that that's stupid uh, Jesus is a prophet in in the Quran but he's like 39th on the list he's minor prophet at best he's nowhere he's not important at all and how did this work and he spent two weeks fasting and praying and seeking answers and he couldn't get any and he couldn't get any he wasn't getting any answers from the Quran from Allah and finally he gets mad and he starts screaming I hate you I hate you I have given my life I have given you my love I have given you everything I am so passionately devoted to you I have given you everything and you're not responding to me you're not giving me anything back so you either don't exist or you're toying with me and you hate me so I hate you back I deny you I reject you and he said suddenly there was a presence in the room that he said the only thing he could describe it as was as was pure judgment and he immediately curled himself up into a corner in the room and started screaming forgive me forgive me forgive me he's in a fetal position just huddled in the corner and which he said he what he had just done was unforgivable and he knew it in the Quran he said he was beyond forgiveness for what he had just done he didn't know why he was saying forgive me but it's all he could do is just pure terror from what was going on and he said in the middle of this the figure reached out and touched him and comforted him and told him you're forgiven I forgive you and and again he's forgiven he's just released from this terror and guilt and he's ticked he's angry he and he's going no this shouldn't be right what do you mean you're doing forgiving me everything I know says I should not be forgiven I should be in in eternal hell for what I've just done and you're forgiving me what's going on and he says who are you and he says I'm Jesus I'm your God and your Messiah and he, and when he heard that he just cried for two hours on that room with Jesus standing over him comforting him that's absolutely amazing um, there's a, a book I read um, that kind of talks about some of this stuff too it's called seeking Allah finding Jesus um, I recommend um, anyone that would want to, to to pick that up and and give that a try it, it talks about some of this stuff about a Muslim man who um, finds peace in a relationship with Jesus but Scott what how amazing is that now I shared it in the introduction I had um, an encounter that was very 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 important to me yes very 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 overwhelming very 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 powerful my encounter was for only a hundredth of a second yeah you know, a hundredth of a second. And I I know, I, I can't explain why I know it was Jesus, but I, I know it was Jesus. Um, even though it was only for a hundredth of a second, 
and it was absolutely powerful. I can't imagine having a full on experience Mm -hmm. like that, you know. Now, I got to tell you, one of the reasons that we want to bring this up is because you can have that too. We all can. These people found it because they were chasing. I am a firm believer in the fact that you are as close to God as you want to be. Not God. God wants to be intimate with you on this level and greater. If you haven't experienced God in this way, and and I sit here listening to my own words, I have not had this type of experience very often or or to this intensity. Uh, and that's why I'm that's part of why we're doing this. Brad and I, we're sort of this podcast is our our self-committal to chase more. I I encourage you, he is there. He is alive. He wants to love you. He wants you to know him that intimately. It can happen. It will happen if you chase. And and don't feel defeated if it doesn't happen right away. Oh, exactly. All of my encounters. How long did it take Paul? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Well, and, you know, even my own encounters, I, I... you know they don't they don't happen in in my time. Um, I mentioned that also in a previous podcast. I had had this hard conclusion that I had to come to that God will do things in His time, and I know now that's because His timing is perfect. Mine is not, but it's very very easy to fall into the trap of God. I need you now. Didn't get the immediate response, so okay, I guess you're not there. Yeah, but that's just not true. God's waiting, you know, for the perfect moment, the perfect time. And also, he's wanting you to ask for the right things. I think a lot of times we ask for the wrong things. And, you know, and so, yeah, we're not going to get what we want if it's not the right thing. If it's going to cause us more harm or, you know, cause somebody else harm. I had a friend one time who was, uh, he's in a wheelchair, uh, he, and he was in the wheelchair because of a car accident while high. And, you know, he was living a life of what you would consider sin. If I got into it in any detail, which I'm not going to do because he's not here. I don't have his permission. But he had personally received a miracle from God earlier in his life that he could not deny. He had an arm healed uh, in, in a miraculous way supernatural way that that was undeniable to him but he still he wanted to live selfishly he wanted the sin and chased after it and he got it and then he's talking to me later and and he's having kind of a personal revival he's chasing God again and he's in the wheelchair and he's going through incredible nerve pain all of his life because of this and he's just telling me, because Scott, I've met God. He's healed me personally. I can't deny it. Why aren't I out of this chair? And I said, and I told, talked to him by name. And I said, you be honest right now. If you got a miraculous healing from God, would you go right back to that lifestyle, and run away from him because you had access to it again? And he said, yeah, you know, you're right. I think I would. And I said, that's why. Because if God healed your body, he knows he'd lose you as a person. And your soul, your eternity is so much more important to him 
than this frail shell that's going to die anyway. Even if you have perfect health all your life, even if you live to be 130 in perfect health, never any sickness, never any broken bones, nothing ever wrong, you're going to die. This, this shell is a temporary casing uh, before eternity. Is it, it's, it's pointless. When you learn to think of it that way, you, you understand what uh, the Bible says when it says, death, where is thy sting? You know, when you look at eternity of perfection versus the few short years we have here of some pain and suffering, Paul said it's not comparable. And so sometimes that's exactly it. We ask for God for things. We don't get a response because God loves us. Not because he's walked away from us or he's laughing at us or anything like that. Yeah, that makes so much sense. He knows what we need better than we do. And once again, I'll fall back on that term arrogance. Sometimes we're a little too arrogant, thinking we know what's best. But surrender. Surrender yourself to God because he really does know what is best. I got one story before we before we wrap up. And I don't know what else Brad has. I'm not trying to wrap this up early if he's got more. But there's one story I want to get out there before we quit. And this just talks... Uh, to me about uh, religion versus relationship. I don't like religion. And again, I said it earlier, I, uh, I'm scientifically minded. I chase the evidence. I reject religion as defined by man's uh, interpretation of God. And, and as far as religion being defined by man creating God and not God creating man, uh, the rules we impose on ourselves because we're trying to control who God is. That's what I oppose. I have relationship with God. It's living and it's vibrant. And yes, I listen to what he wants because I love him, not because I have to or I'm going to die. I'm a pizza driver. And um, I'm in Marshalltown. And the community college there has a tool and die shop a uh, hydraulics and pneumatics uh, tool and die class. And I get a call. Well, the, the pizza place gets a call and I'm called to go on the delivery. I'm taking about eight pizzas out there to the shop. The instructor has ordered pizzas for the entire class. So now I pull up and they have a giant garage door on the outside of the thing. This is in the summertime. It was summer class. So it's warm out. And so the garage door is up so you can see into the shop and all of these giant pieces of machinery and all that kind of thing it just goes way back into this huge room. And of course they see me pull up and all the students leave what they're doing. They come to the front and they're all like, yeah, yeah, the pizza's here, pizza's here. And one guy in particular starts to go, you know, the instructor whose name was Jim, he's, you know, he, Jim told us that uh, you need to give me those pizzas. I said, I, I think I better, I think I better wait for him to get there. No, no, no. He's, he told me you got to give them to me and uh, I'll, I'll just take, I know what to do with them. Don't worry. You just give them to me. And of course the other students are snickering and, you know, laughing at what's going on. So like, you better just give them to me. I said, I, I think I better wait for him. Oh, he's a mean guy. Oh my goodness. This, this guy is, oh, he'll, he'll tell you a new one. If he finds out you didn't give them to me. And he's just going on with this, and, and, and he's having fun with it. So I'm just sitting there nodding my head. I'm going, nah, I think, I think I'll wait. I think I'll just wait for him to come. And uh, he goes, okay. And, and I can see way off in the corner, uh, the instructor leaves a, a room 
that he was out of sight before and he enters the large room and I can see him and everyone starts to go, oh, here he comes. Oh, I gave you a chance. I gave you a chance, but here he comes. You're going to get it now. And as he's walking and as he's close to the group, very loudly, I say, hi, dad. (laughs) So yes, it was my real father who was the instructor of that class and everyone's faces just turned ashen. <laughs> All of the students that were picking on me, you could just see the terror in their eyes when I said that. And I'm just smiling. <laughs> and he comes up and, and we talk a little bit. Hey, how's class going? Where All that kind of thing. And uh, he pays me for the pizzas and I take off. And I intentionally did not tell my father that story for two years And the reason I didn't is because it's a two-year program, and I did not want him (laughs) to take it out on those kids. I knew they were just having fun. Uh, And so I told him the story uh, two years after it happened. And he was like, why didn't you tell me? I would have. Yes, I know. That's exactly why I didn't. I didn't want you to mess with them. Um, So if any of you are listening to this who were a part of that on the student side, I did not tell him. so, but anyway, I, I share that as relationship versus religion. Religion says, you had better do what I say or almighty God's going to come down on you and he's going to rip you a new one unless you follow me. Relationship says, hi, dad. How are you doing? That gives me goosebumps. Hi, dad. Well, I got nothing else for today. You got anything else you want to throw in? I think that's uh, I think that's good for our first just conversation podcast. That's that's fun. That's exciting. Yeah, you're gonna get us very candid. So <laughs> uh-huh. never know what we're gonna get on these, and we never know what we're gonna get. So it just kind of whatever comes to our minds at that moment. That's what we throw out there. All right. Well, thank you everyone for being here. This is Brad. And this is Scott, and this has been Not About Us.